Please open your Bibles to John chapter 5. Continuing on in our study through the Gospel of John. Last week, uh, we left off with verse 18, and we saw how Jesus had come into Jerusalem and healed a man that was lame by the pool of Bethesda. He told the man to rise, take up your bed, and walk. And uh, the poolside was covered with those that were physically blind, paralyzed, and lame. And we studied how without the Word of God speaking to us, every one of us is spiritually blind, paralyzed, and lame. Jesus was the Word made flesh, and He spoke into this man's life. And not only did He heal this man physically, He took the time to go and find the man in the temple and sternly warn the man to sin no more. So, like we talked about last week, whatever it was that had caused this man to be lame must have been the result of sin in his life. Otherwise, Jesus would have not have said that to him. And sin does have physical consequences. There is always a reaping from what has been sown. And from a spiritual standpoint, when God spoke into your life and gave, and uh, excuse me, you gave your life to Christ, that should have marked the beginning of a time in your life where you decided to sin no more. Now, sin means to miss the mark. And all of us do that on a daily basis in some way, shape, or form. But sin should not be a conscious decision we make. In other words, when you know something is wrong and you do it anyhow, then you are choosing to sin willfully. Now, we will be studying in John chapter 5 today. So keep this page marked. But let's turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, toward the back of your Bibles. And we're going to uh, start reading in verse 26 of Hebrews chapter 10. It says, For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose Will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? So, if a person has received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and then goes and by choice willfully sins, what they are doing is saying that the blood of Jesus was nothing special and they trample it under their feet by living however they want to live. They look God's grace in the face, and they insult it. That's what it says here. And turning back now to John chapter 5, Jesus warned this man to sin no more. No more willful sin. Like I said, we all blow it from time to time, day by day. We all fall short. And we, it's because of the blood of Jesus that we've been saved. But what we're talking about here right now is willful sin, that conscious sin where you get up and say, I'm going to sin today, and I'm going to get up and I'm going to sin again tomorrow, and then I'm going to sin the next day, 
and you keep doing it over and over and over again. But Jesus warned this man to sin no more back in John chapter 5. And you would assume that after all this man had been forgiven of, and after 38 years of suffering the consequences of his sin, that he would have taken the warning of Jesus seriously and not uh, returned back to the life he once lived. And the Bible doesn't give um, the rest of the story for this man's life after this point, but I believe that we have this story in the Bible for you and I to take it to heart and to not make that mistake of continuing to willfully go out and sin. You see, anyone, anywhere is free to come to Christ. But once you've come, it's not a prison. You are free to walk away as well. He will never walk away from you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He's always there for you. But you can choose to just go back off into the world and back off into, the, into sin and walk away. And you know what, though? Jesus, in this case here with this man, after he healed this man of his sin, he took the time to come and find him again. Just like he did, um, just like he'll do in our lives. But he's not a slave master that forces you to love him. He loves us and he reaches out to us, but we can trample his blood under our feet. We can take this great love that he has for us and the abundant life that his shed blood has provided and just walk all over it as if it's a common thing. But know this, when we do that, there will be consequences. But moving on in our study, the Jews, as a result of Jesus healing this man, now want to kill him. And looking down at verse 18 of John chapter 5, it says, Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him, because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his Father, making himself equal with God. So now these men are all having a hissy fit, and they don't like the fact that Jesus has come to town and healed this guy on the Sabbath. So Jesus is now going to address these men and, to, and attempt to explain to them who he really is. Verse 19, then Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. For the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself does, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Okay. We have talked in weeks past about the deity of Jesus Christ. We saw in John chapter 1 that Jesus is God in the flesh, and in these verses here, his deity is seen as well. You see, because Jesus and the Father are one, there is no way that Jesus can do anything that the Father is not doing. Remember, last week we saw how Jesus told the Jews that his Father has been working until now and he has been working. You see, God is a God of order and there is an order to the Godhead as well. In these verses, we are seeing two parts of the Trinity, the Father 
and the Son. They are one, but the order is Father and then Holy Spirit. Uh, Excuse me, Father, Son, then Holy Spirit. Jesus shows us that order in these verses. He says that the Father loves the Son and shows Him all things that He Himself does. So there's part of that order right there. God is the head. God is the Spirit. God the Spirit became flesh, and we had Jesus here on the earth. Jesus ascended into heaven, and then He sent the Holy Spirit, and now the Holy Spirit dwells in, in the believers of Jesus. The Father now sits on the throne, Jesus at His right hand, and do you know that it's only been a couple of days since Jesus has been off of this earth? Wow. Yeah, really, check this out. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8 tells us that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. So in God's math, it's just been over two days since Jesus was here. Pretty neat perspective to put it in. And Jesus also said there in verse 21 that as the Father raises the dead and gives uh, life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom He will. So the Son has the same power as the Father has. And the Son has the same authority that the Father has, including the authority to judge. He says there in verse 22, For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. So the duty of judging in the Godhead has been given to the Son. And if Jesus wasn't God, then it, wouldn't, uh, then it would be wrong to honor Him the same as you honor the Father. And Jesus said in verse 23 that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Well, that wouldn't be right if He's not equal with God. So when people tell you they are Christians, but they do not honor the Son, they do not honor Jesus Christ equally with the Father, They are not speaking about the Jesus of the Bible. Be cautious of that. There are people that claim to be Christians, but they do not honor the Son equally with the Father. So they're not talking about the Jesus of the Bible. And here we are seeing that these Jews want to kill him because he is claiming to be equal with God. But the fact of the matter is, he is equal with God. And Jesus points that out to them here. And you know, the day is coming when Jesus will judge the world. Let's turn to Acts chapter 17. The next book up from where we are here, excuse me, in the Gospel of John. The book of Acts chapter 17. And let's look down at verse 24. Acts 17, 24. God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord and hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Therefore, 
Since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, because He has appointed a day on which He will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom He has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. So, you see, God has raised Jesus from the dead. And you can rest assured that the day is coming when Jesus will judge the world. He is every bit God and has every bit the authority of God. And turning back now to John chapter 5, Jesus is letting these Jewish men know who he really is. And he also lets them know that there is a way to escape the judgment that is to come. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who who hear it will live. So Jesus says that that hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of God and those who hear will live. Have you heard the voice of God? Have you risen from the dead spiritually? If so, you will not come into judgment, but you have passed from death into life. Turn up about six books in your Bible to the book of Ephesians. It's right after the book of Galatians and right before the book of Philippians. So, give you just a few seconds to get there, but we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 2. And we'll start reading in verse 1. Ephesians 2, verse 1. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. You see, God desires to show His kindness. And it's His kindness that leads us to repentance. And it's our repentance that leads us to our faith in Jesus Christ, that leads us to being raised from the dead spiritually. We were dead in our sins and trespasses. We've all done wrong in the sight of God. We've all fallen short. But He, in His great love for us, He shed His blood. He's redeemed us from death. And He's offered to us abundant life. 
and back in John chapter 5. Jesus tells these guys how they too can have abundant and eternal life. He told them in verse 24 that by hearing his word and believing in the one who sent him that they can have everlasting life and that by hearing his voice those that are dead will rise. And he still calls out to every heart today. He desires that all would come to know him and be saved. God is life and Jesus is life. And to receive this life that God gives, this new nature, there must first be the death of our old nature. Spiritually speaking, when we came out of our mother's womb, we were stillborn. We were spiritually lifeless, that is, and needing to be born again. And Jesus continues here in verse 26 of John 5. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. So Jesus has life in him, and he desires to give us life. Obviously, all of us have physical life that we're living out here on this earth, and that physical life came from our parents. God created human beings to reproduce, and each one of us is here as a result of that. But this wasn't the case for Jesus. You see, our lives were derived, meaning that our lives came from somewhere, from our parents. But the life that is in Jesus is an eternal life. John 1.4 says that in him was life. God just always has been. He was the beginning and all things were made by him. Our finite minds will not be able to grasp this truth completely, but we are called to walk by faith and not by sight. Do you see that? We're not called to grasp it all, to understand it all. We are called to walk by faith and not by sight. And you see, faith is an incredible thing. It's a wonderful thing that God has given a measure of it to each and every person. If not for faith, we'd have to figure things out on on our own, with our own minds. And man is attempting to do that every day. But it is faith that is pleasing to God. And I don't know about you, but I don't understand the workings of this universe. I don't even understand. I was just recently at the uh, Pacific Ocean, and, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, why does it just stop right there? It's amazing. Why doesn't it just all keep coming in, overflow? You know, I, I, don't, I don't know. But so much I don't know. But all we need to know is that Jesus is life. Spiritually speaking, that's all we need to know. In Him is life, and He offers eternal life to us by faith in Him. Simply by putting your faith in Him. If, if it's become something else to you, if you're out there and, and you're listening and you think it's, it's more than that, that, that it's got to be more than just faith, read the Bible. Read the New Testament. It's that simplistic. You can just come to Christ by faith, you can receive him, and his Holy Spirit will seal you and dwell you. But yes, you must first die to yourself, to, to uh, leading the way in your own life by your own strength. You need to drop all that. You need to repent and turn to the living God, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. And moving on in our study Jesus goes on in verse 28 here and he says, Do not marvel at this, 
For the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Now, you see, when Jesus rose from the dead, there was a physical resurrection that took place on the earth. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 27, the first book in your New Testament. Matthew chapter 27, and we're going to go all the way down to verse 51. We're going to begin reading in verse 51. So, just to set the scene here, Jesus has died on the cross. And then Matthew chapter 27, verse 51 says, The veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So I'm sure that many of these Jews that Jesus was speaking to back in John chapter 5 remember what he told them here when they saw the saints of old walking around town again. But you know, that's the power of the resurrection. The saints of God that had died before Christ came to earth did not have the resurrection power that the life of Christ gave. But after his death, they were made alive. And that same life-giving power that comes from Christ is what is necessary for us to be able to see the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said that we must be born again. We must be born of the Spirit and walk in a newness of life. Only Christ gives that life, and it comes as a result of believing in Him. And Jesus was totally in submission to the Father while here on the earth. He didn't come here to build himself a kingdom. And our focus as followers of Christ should not be on building our own kingdoms, making our own lives the way we want them. We should be spiritually minded people and desirous of building his kingdom. And Jesus continues speaking to these Jews. And he says in verse 30, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. The clear-cut purpose of Jesus coming to the earth was to do the will of the Father. The will of the Father was the redemption of mankind. The sin of Adam and Eve in the garden separated mankind from an intimate relationship with an eternal and a holy God. God later would bring the law through Moses and man would not be able to keep the law. Part of the law was that a blood sacrifice needed to be made to cover sin. The people would sacrifice the blood of lambs, but man could not even come close to keeping the law. So God himself became flesh, and Jesus as God in the flesh fulfilled the law. 
He was the Lamb of God that took away the sin of the world. And it's by faith in Him alone that we are now pleasing to God. Jesus came to the earth to accomplish the will of God the Father. And the will of the Father was our redemption. And you know, Jesus loved these men that sought to kill Him. He loved them so much that He spent time with them to teach them the truth about eternal life. And like I said earlier, each one of us needs to be careful not to trample the Son of God under our feet and count His shed blood as a common thing. His blood is far greater than that of lamb's blood. The men of the Old Testament would sacrifice a lamb and then go right back to living however they wanted. Don't treat the blood of Christ that way. We can't gather on Sundays and see the truth of His Word and then walk away and continue to walk in the ways of this world. He loves us and he desires that we would know the abundance of the eternal life that he gives us. Don't let this world trick you into building your own kingdom. If you do, you will be distracted from the abundant life that Jesus desires you to have. Don't let this world swallow you up. Seek Jesus with your whole heart. Let your flesh life go and let the light of Christ rule and reign in your hearts. God bless you guys. Thanks again for listening.